0: Hello and welcome to The Jarek Show. Yes, the boys are back in town. This week we are talking about ransomware, end of lifeing software, and zero days. All that and so much more coming up on this episode of...
1: I just really don't care.
0: I hit the wrong...
1: Welcome to The Jarek Show, featuring your hosts, Javad Malik and Eric Krohn. Timely topics, poorly presented.
0: I apologize to
1: all our viewers
0: for that. <laughs> that that was from uh, last week, where Eric was on holiday and he was in the pool, and that was his response to every single story. But now he does care a little
1: bit more than what he was last week. Eric, welcome back to the show. Great to be here, and just for uh, just for clarity's sake, that wasn't a pool. That was actually the ocean in the bahamas and frankly last week i just really didn't care but you're right i do care now there's some uh things that are going on we're back in the world um had a little bit of a mental rest and now let's try to uh let's try to help things out right
0: yeah yeah absolutely absolutely i I should remember to remove that clip from our dashboard so i don't hit it again (laughs) by accident
1: i just really don't care
0: (laughs) (laughs) yes okay maybe i won't remove it Anyway, um we heard that um we're kicking off with a ransomware story. Someone got ransomware. Who was it, Eric? Yep, guess. Mm, some energy retail provider? N- no, guess. I'm guessing um nuclear
1: power station. No, guess. I give up. Go to go to the story, man. <laughs> <laughs> guess. I see what you did there. I see what you did. <laughs> Yes, yes. So the fashion retailer Guess, who's been around since I was in high school. I mean, I remember that back in the days. Those were the jeans you always wanted, right? It was Guess. Um, they had a little bit of a data breach after a ransomware attack. Shocking surprise. Ah, I think it was uh, the, uh, the Dark Side group before they kind of scattered to the wind had gotten into Guess, done their thing, and apparently they had extracted just a tiny little bit of information. And, uh, now they have a little bit of an issue on their hands. So this is another one of those examples of where, you know, the thing about ransomware, and I know we talk about it a lot because it is kind of the thing that just, it's so prevalent these days and so damaging, but, you know, this is more than ransomware these days. It's the exfiltration of data, and it's often used to leverage uh, the uh, the attackers use it as leverage to get payment, right? So if you don't pay this, we're going to dump it out on the uh, on the internet, right? And so if you do pay, they, they swear they've destroyed it. But, you know, we all know they turn around and sell it on the dark web. Um, but in this case, this is coming back to bite even after the group is gone and out of there. Now, what got me on here was the just sheer amount of data <laughs> that guests had apparently been collecting. And I'm trying to figure out where this is from. You know, part of me says, okay, is this all consumer stuff? Maybe it was some stuff dealing with employees too. But when they talk about this, you know, the part in here says the investigation determined that the social security numbers, driver's license numbers, passport numbers, and or financial account numbers may have been accessed or acquired. And then it moves down to say Financial account number or credit debit card number in combination with a security code, access code, password, or PIN for the account. Who collects that and why in these modern days? It just makes no sense to me at all to have things, especially like PIN numbers or the stuff you need to access the account. Um, you know, it's kind of like, you know, PCI be damned. I, I don't yep. even know. It's it's just disgusting. <laughs> that is disgusting. You're right. That's like a buffet of violations
0: uh around the world why are they holding so much information and for what purpose it just not needed whatsoever and this just comes down to such poor so it, it's poor security but a lot of it is the lack of having like someone from uh, records management or something, someone that can advise them, like, these are records you should keep. These are definitely things you shouldn't keep. And these ones, let's make a business case for why why you need them and how long you need them for and what you're going to do when them at the end of life. And this is one thing that comes up quite often with ransomware attacks is that people are like, oh, yes, your data going back to the year 1998, when you first created the account as, a, as just to check it out. Um, they may have been compromised. And the question is, well, why are you still holding that information even though it's so outdated? And organisations just don't seem to have this data hygiene or records management process in place where they can delete stuff. And, and I think with with cloud storage, it's so cheap and easy just to dump everything because we're not. It's costing us, what, pennies on the dollar, uh, pennies on the pound,
1: cents on the dollars even. But, yeah, and um, if you... If you've ever gone through the process of trying to figure out where data is, if, if you didn't build that correctly in the first place, trying to figure out what you have and what's still useful and valuable and all that stuff, that's a tedious process. It can be expensive to try to figure that out. So if it's built poorly to start with, that's where I think a lot of this stuff just kind of heaps on, where now you have these you know virtual boxes of records sitting around that nobody knows what to do with. I think the best example I like to help relate it back to a consumer uh,
0: level is just think about the photos you have how many photos do you have a digital photos you have on your phone on a hard drive on a memory card in the cloud somewhere whether it's iCloud or whether it's Google Photos okay how many do you know how many you have how many do you have of a certain person uh, if they ask you to remove all of their photos would you be able to and some of them have got really good tagging, but sometimes if you just dumped memory cards onto your, your computer, then you don't know. And, and this, think about it, 100 times worse, but in the corporate setting. And, and that's kind of like the problem we're dealing with. That's why it's so important to architect these things properly.
1: Yep, absolutely. Right
0: from the start, do it right the first time. Okay. Um, moving swiftly on, Sonic Wall has a, warns of a critical Ransomware risk to end of life SMA 100 VPN appliances. Uh, there, there's uh, something on their website, official product notifications, critical risk to unpatched end of life. Uh, yep. What's this all
1: about, Eric? Well, basically, what's happened is um, folks have found out that these Sonic Wall devices have a vulnerability. Um, that it appears allows them actually to do things like um, place uh, ransomware within organizations using this um, through the vulnerabilities of the firewall, being able to do this kind of stuff. And it's a firewall VPN sort of thing. Um, And, and, you know, ultimately, I I, I can't give uh, SonicWall any crap about this. This has nothing to do with SonicWall. This has to do, again, with kind of hygiene and using end of life appliances. And I know it's tempting to go, hey, you know what? This thing works fine. It works great, no problem. Why would I want to replace this device that is working great? And that's a hard sell, honestly, when you go up to the board and you're like, I need $150,000 to replace this thing that works just fine. Um, So the argument is a tough one, but this is a good reason. This is good information to say, hey, this is why we wanna do this. Now, some of these devices, there are some some devices that are impacted by this that do have a patch available and the patches are available for devices that are not end of life but if you're running an end-of-life device right now here this thing that is at your network perimeter out to the internet is very vulnerable to these things and and to sonicwall's um you know credit basically for a lot of this stuff their guidance is disconnect it change all your internal passwords that's what they give you because there's nothing that's going to be done to fix this sort of thing. But again, it's a lesson in using older, outdated stuff that can't be patched, especially, especially on your network perimeter. I mean, inside you could do things, you can mitigate things by, you know, segmenting, micro-segmenting. There's things that you could do with that. But when it's facing the internet, you just can't play around with this kind of stuff. So what do you do? You have one of these things, they're calling it an imminent threat of ransomware. being being used, you know, against these things or through these things, um, are you prepared just to unplug whatever your perimeter device is and wait for Amazon to ship you a new one or who knows what? You know, um, this is this just kind of it really definitely brings that to light. It does, it does, and um, you know, this this is not
0: the first time so, since uh, the remote working really kicked off when the the plague started we had a lot of companies quickly trying to move to to remote and that's where we saw criminals actively start to try and find exploits and vulnerabilities in vpns or home networking and a couple of weeks ago when we had charles on the on the show from Orange cyber defense this was one area he was talking about how there's very little that we as an industry can provide people or have been able to successfully provide something that is easy to do easy to manage that can mitigate some of the risks that are present on the home network and then connecting from the home securely to the corporate environment and so that i think you know from 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 that perspective you you correctly say that it's the perimeter that needs to be protected but we need to extend that you know that protection how are we doing it in a scalable and usable and easy manner it's all well and good like I know you pop this on, on Twitter and a 100 security bros will come at you saying, well, I just roll my own VPN. I do it like this. I do it like that, which is all the more power to you. I think we need people like that. But that's not something you're going to tell an organization with 50,000 staff all around the globe to say, well, all 50,000 of them should be able to roll their own VPN.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know... This this also brings back some other discussions we've had too about just even IoT devices internally. Right? IoT devices that you buy from China for a buck less or 5 bucks less than something that's supported by a mainstream vendor because you want to save a few bucks, but there's no patching available. There's no there's no security controls later. They just roll out a new version, you know, in a in a few months or a year and just forget about the other stuff that's out there. So now you have these vulnerable devices bouncing around. And, you know, to Charles' point, we're talking about connecting into corporate networks now from these, you know, these home networks that we've never really had to face that nearly as much. And who knows what's going on in those? Yeah, so it it just brings to light a whole can of worms that we have with this, this whole ability to patch and or where it's wise to run certain things. And, you know, you have that video out there, Accepted the Risk. Right. (laughs) I love that video because this is the kind of stuff that somebody said, you know what, I'll accept that risk. It's a solid device. And now what do you do? Right. So here we are. That's
0: right. That's right. And, you know, I I found this story just just today. And it's um, I think this highlights the the challenge. And we, we keep saying on one hand, it's so easy for it to roll off the tongue to say just patch but the reality is it's difficult to patch mm-hmm. but just because it's difficult it doesn't mean you don't try to make steps towards it and um, this is interesting because they say like nearly a quarter of the exploits for sale are over three years old and this is research by trend micro and so you know sometimes there's that um how does wendy call it she calls it cheeseburger risk it's like people will keep on eating cheeseburgers until they have a heart attack <laughs> and then all of a sudden they they won't and and this is this is the problem uh this is the challenge that because you're not being attacked or you're not aware that you've been attacked you will keep on running the same software yeah. and that's why it's so important i think there there's two 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 or three aspects and one is like you need to architect things properly like like we spoke about even in the first story about your your records management policy your data how you're capturing all the data flows second second part of the architecture is how you're going to support uh, a hybrid environment people working remotely on the road in the office and how you're making sure all of their connections are, are are done properly and then there's the process side of things it's how are you going to ensure that uh, you, you you remain maintain ongoing compliance ongoing patching ongoing uh, effectiveness of all security and, and then how do you build that business case up to executives uh, to give you buy in to say like yes yeah, spend 100 grand on a new bit of kit or, or whatever you might need. Uh,
1: what, are, what are the answers to all these problems, Eric? You, you know, I don't think there are any great answers. And and for the benefit of our podcast audience, both of you um, that are out there that listen to it on audio, uh, the story we're talking about here, the headline is 22% of exploits for sale in the underground forums are more than three years old. Um, and, and, you know, to this point, we've seen it before where old old vulnerabilities are exploited all the time. And you're right. Patching sucks, man. That that was one of the things that, you know, if if you want to create an outage, start patching, right? That's (laughs) just how these things happen. And the way that these, uh, systems these days are interconnected, all that kind of stuff. Um, it can be a real problem. And, and, you know, I'll tell you, I know you love it when I go back to this, but you know, my military days, um, we started going down the, the ITIL chain and started having, um, you know, these these meetings were basically we're looking at and coordinating stuff like this much better. And as an organization, in the beginning, we shot ourselves in the foot a lot of times doing patches. Um, I'll never forget there was an incident. Um, I don't mean incident, but there was an issue one time where we were patching domain controllers while the network team was also patching that were required a reboot. And uh, things went as well as you can expect when you're, you know, partway through patching a bunch of things and networks start dropping off the wire. Um, You know, and it was one of those things where we ended up having to coordinate this kind of stuff. And we would have these change management meetings uh, and people would go, oh, wow, okay, you know what? We were looking at doing something at this time and it it saved us, but that's a maturity of process. And not everybody can do that, Um, but it's important enough that we have to do this. There's no excuse for a three-year-old vulnerability Um, to be present on a network if there's a patch available for it, or at the very least not mitigated by some other means. Again, micro segmentation, you know, sometimes the patches, you can do things like go in and turn off that SMB version by yourself. You don't always have to have a patch kit to be able to do that. You can do it by yourself. Um, So these are the things that, you know, we can learn from this kind of stuff, but it's interesting that these things are that old and still very, very popular uh, with respect to being sold out there. Uh, tell me
0: that when you you you, you had that change management like conflict, you called it cyber friendly fire or cyber black on black or blue on blue, whatever the term is.
1: <laughs> no, we called it oh crap. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there there may have been other four letter words involved too, but uh, you know it, it was it was just one of these things that when you have a large, like I said, complex organization. You start tripping over each other. But again, I felt the pain of patching throughout my career. And we all know that it sucks, but we all know that we have to do it. So quit yeah. screwing around and patch those things that you have out there that you know you should have already patched, folks, okay? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, now the patches have, have become the bane of your existence from from cyber to, your, to the top <laughs> of your head. But um <laughs> final story, and seeing as we're on about exploits and vulnerabilities today which makes a quite a nice change of pace despite having a ransomware one at the beginning it's in the register so they have one of their firmly tongue planted firmly in cheek comments <laughs> it's uh, so nice of china to put all its network zero day ones in one giant database that no one will think to break into so uh, chinese makers of network security uh, must alert beijing within 2 days 2 days you know, I see your 72 hours GDPR, and I raise you by 48 hours. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they must uh, they must inform within two days of any uh, bug or vulnerability found uh, in their products, and those are
1: put into a database. Um, what could possibly go wrong? Yeah. Yeah. And I I think there's, you know, there's things in there saying basically you can't talk about it um, until there is a fix and, 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 you know, it's a great idea um, in, in, in theory, I suppose. But all I'm going to say about this is I know what some people are going to be doing this summer and it might (laughs) be working on database exploits (laughs) or things like that. Because I'm just saying, this is a wonderful thing to have. um, If somebody is, uh, is in fact looking for uh you know nation state sort of stuff
0: yeah yeah and uh katie missouri's friend of the show uh, who, uh the pioneers one of the pioneers in bug bounties who has done a tremendous amount of work in this field uh she, some some of her comments are included in this and uh one of the, the really important points that sticks out here is her quote that says two days isn't enough time for a thorough investigation for a flaw and certainly not enough time to make uh, a fix that works um yeah uh, so you know I, I think it's it's important that you know people understand and people that have been involved in bug bounties and or, or on the receiving end of reports like hey mr vendor mrs vendor person vendor you <laughs> you have this vulnerability in your product now give me the monies and literally, like, it it really throws a spanner in, in the works of a lot of dev teams, and they have to go around trying to validate it, and it takes more than a couple of days sometimes, and then you come back and say, well, you know what? That's actually a feature. That's actually how it's designed. The only reason it's happening that way because you've installed it locally and it's not designed to be, you know, whatever the the, the whole reason might be. So it's, it's I, I get it. You know what? It, it's an illustration of how complicated the challenge is, that there is a challenge. You need to try and get your arms around it, but it's still like the Wild West out there. I mean, you know, okay, maybe some of your large vendors will comply, but if you've got a small factory in China creating USB sticks or some network uh, device or some IoT thing, are they really gonna be doing a pen test on there or some sort of like code review and saying, oh, we found a vulnerability,
1: here you go. (laughs) People can turn on Eric's sprinklers automatically. Well, you know, it's interesting in these cases when when they put deadlines into things, and this is what I look at a lot of times, you know, they say within two days, within two days of discovery. Well, what, what is discovery exactly? Is it, hey, I think there may be something going on here. Or is it, okay, we know that if you do this, you do this and you do this, then this happens and we've classified it. Is that the discovery date or is it just when, huh, you know, I noticed something weird here. Um, that, that, that kind of gets into the gray area. If it's from the time that, you know, basically they go, Oh, I think we have a problem here. I can imagine these reports are going to be something like there may or may not be a vulnerability that may or may not be critical that may or may not be remotely or (laughs) locally exploitable and may or may not cause a lot of problems that may or may not be patchable. I mean, can you imagine what, what good is a report that's kind of like that? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's, it's it's
0: like when you get a pen test report back and and you have that they, they classify every organization will classify. And then you have these informational ones or theoretical ones that, you know, you're running this version. In theory, someone could, you know, hang to the underside of your car and follow you, find out where you live and then put this in.
1: And um, of course, those are the ones that the execs are always like, we got to do something about this. (laughs) (laughs) It could possibly happen. We need to screen all the cars that come in. Get mirrors. I mean, you know, it's because it's like a sexy story and one of those like out there sorts of things. But the mundane like, hey, you know what? Uh, People are reusing passwords and therefore uh, it's going to have that. You know, we don't want to mess with the people. It's hard to get them to change. You know, get the mirrors and shut up. (laughs) the mundane, something you're an expert in,
0: Eric. So if, if you were to give a, like an, a bit of advice as to how to, how would you deal with vulnerabilities? Like there's so many manufacturers out there. So, so let's
1: stick with China. Yeah, They're you different. know, honest, honestly, I mean, it, it's simple. There's only one thing you really need. Um, we, we know that Eric really doesn't have
0: anything of use to say. So up until next week, stay secure, my friend. I just really don't care.